Um, I think you can still move jobs and do it in a strategic fashion, but I think there's definitely something to be said about you know trying to think about where you want to be in the three to five year span and trying to work towards that. There's also something to be said about if you find yourself in a in a, a tricky position, especially on your first job, give it the full year, right? Like give it at least a year, maybe two, because um, especially coming straight out of school, you don't really know what you don't know. And, and your first job, no matter what it is, is gonna be tough and it's gonna be challenging. And so there's something to be said about working through that and figuring out how to do the job well um, before you just jump because it's getting hard or because it's you know not as fun as, as you were having in college, right? So um, I think, you know, to, to kind of end the rant, like you can, you can still change your career course and kind of follow what your passion should be and follow what you think you do well and, and put yourself in the right spot. But it should be strategic and it shouldn't just be to make a quick, small, you know, uh, salary jump in, in the short term. You should be trying to think as long term as possible. Welcome to the Driving Force podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Chase Rosa, a former private equity analyst turned endurance athlete. This podcast will feature conversations with uniquely driven and authentic individuals across sports, business, and wellness who continue to achieve great things in their respective fields. By presenting their stories, uncensored and uncut, I hope to inspire you to take a step back, look within, and evaluate your path and journey. Today's guest is Tom Malamo. Tom is a B2B sales leader, blogger, podcaster, and self-proclaimed life learner. Currently, Tom works as a sales manager at Tech Target a global leader in purchase, intent-driven marketing, and sales services to enterprise technology companies. Some of the sales accolades Tom has already achieved in his career include being named North American Sales Rep of the Year, being named a top account executive as voted on by peers and presented by Sales Hacker, and recently receiving an invitation to join the Revenue Collective, a private invitation-only organization exclusively for top sales, marketing, and operations leaders and executives worldwide. Tom is also the founder of Millennial Momentum, a blog and podcast he has run over the past three years focused on helping millennials grow their personal personal development. Some of the notable guests he has had on the podcast include Jordan Belfort, aka The Wolf of Wall Street, Dr. Michael Gervais, world-renowned high-performance psychologist, and Chris Voss, a former lead hostage negotiator for the FBI. He's also the second Northeast 10 Conference tennis alum I've had on the podcast now. In this interview, we get into what led him to a, to a career in sales, why he started the Millennial Momentum, thoughts on grit, productivity, and millennial stereotypes, and how we can thoughtfully pursue total optimization across all areas in our life. And so, without further ado, my interview with Tom Alamo. Yeah, and adding on to that, you're not doing any social media for this month, right? Yeah, no social media for March, uh, except for LinkedIn, just for job purposes, so... That's been a whole nother thing. I, I've actually felt like that's uh, been helpful because, uh, you know, I, in, in times like this, I feel like people are, you know, tend to spew a lot of negative uh, news and, and things like that. And so I feel like it's helpful to just kind of rid yourself of that and stay positive. And it's been kind of a blessing in disguise during a time like this to be off of Instagram and Twitter where I can get into a rat hole and stuff like that. Right. And, and why did you decide to, to do it for this month? Yeah. I mean, so we've been, 
my sister and my cousin and, and I have been doing a monthly challenge each month. So um, just kind of came about like during Christmas time, we were all just hanging around and talking about how we, you know, we like doing different things that, that push us. And so we wanted to do a monthly challenge. And so uh, my sister suggested doing sober January, which we did. And then I suggested doing cold shower February. Uh, and then you know, my cousin suggested doing no social media for March. So that's where we're at. And we, we just go month by month and each pick what we're, uh, we're going to do for the month and have a little bit of money in the pot that if you mess up um, and, and can't handle it, that you got to pay up um, <laughs> to keep things interesting, keep things fun. But, you know, it's been a good challenge and it's good to just kind of flip things on their head every once in a while to see what, like how your life adapts. And like for me, I'm, I was definitely, you know, addicted to Instagram and Twitter. And I think most people are in some way, shape or form because they're just, they have addictive qualities to them. So um, I, I definitely am not going to be a hermit and fall off of social media forever, but I think it will help my relationship with the technology a little bit in the future so that, you know, I can use it to my advantage versus, you know, being suckered into the rabbit hole of Twitter for 45 minutes on, you know, random topics. <laughs> right. That's interesting. So what, I guess, have you, have you seen or found any benefits to being off social media, whether it be for, uh, increasing productivity in your work or I guess more time to do other things in your life? It's crazy, man. Yeah. I, I, I feel like the days are longer. Literally. I, I feel more time space throughout out the day. Um, and sometimes like that would result in, you know, like, so I'm in sales. So, you know, oftentimes we're doing research on the people that, you know, our customers and prospects and things like that. So I'd use Twitter as a vehicle to kind of learn about people before you talk to them and, and do your homework. But once I get done with that, then I might hop into just randomly clicking for 20 minutes and not even realize it. And so that's not even an option now. The apps are deleted. There's blockers on my laptop. There's no temptation because there's no way to get there. So I do find that I'm just like locked in and I'm, I'm pumping out a lot more productivity with my job, getting things done in less time. Um, I'm focusing like in the mornings, I do a lot of like my blog writing. So there's no temptation to click anywhere, do anything that's going to distract me. So um, I felt like productivity wise, it's been actually an absolute game changer for me. It just has been a little, it's tougher at night when you're done working for the day, you want to, you know, kind of relax a little bit and, you know, maybe check out what's going on in the world. And, you know, I, I'll go do something else instead. So uh, productivity wise, it's actually been really helpful. Got it. That's awesome. So how, how do you think you're going to be able to kind of keep yourself in check um, once the, once the month ends? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've tinkered with doing things with social media before, like not checking, certain ones till noon or till lunchtime. Um, because I, for me, the morning is when I do my best work. So uh, it's when my mind's the freshest. So I try not to take too much in that is going to distract me. So I've tried doing things like that. So maybe I even push that out and say, you know, I'm, I can check Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. But maybe it's once the work day's over, or maybe it's just a time block, like, hey, I'm just going to do it for these you know, 10 minutes right here, you know, during lunch, and then otherwise, I'm not going to do it. So I'm kind of thinking about ideas that I can slowly incorporate it back into my day or, you know, a, a buddy of mine actually deletes those apps during the week. And then Friday afternoon, he puts them back and enjoys them through the weekend. 
you know, kind of similar to how people might do it with a diet. Like, hey, you eat really clean for Monday through Friday. And then, you know, if you want to have a pizza on Saturday or something like that, um, you know, go for it. So I might do something like that, too. I'm, I'm kind of just thinking about how I'm going to slowly incorporate it back into my life. Interesting. Okay. And I guess shifting topics here a little, um, you know, we've known each other since our college tennis days. And yeah. like my interview with uh, Jared Taylor, who I think you, you probably also know of Jared, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I wanted to kind of bring up the intensity with which you played each match. Um, uh, I never played you. I don't think I've ever played you. Maybe we played doubles. Um, but I can definitely remember that like like Jared actually um your intensity was evident from the warm up <laughs> and uh yep. you know frankly maybe a, a little annoying um <laughs> have you always did you always approach playing tennis with that intensity um you know i think i did i mean you know i i played you know i started playing probably similar to to you or to most people um when i was young probably when i was 7 or 8 and um you know i just found that, you know, I love the sport, I love playing it, but more than just the sport, I really just love competing. Um, and, you know, whether it was tennis or ping pong or, you know, shooting free throws or doing anything, like I just get such a thrill out of competition and I would just get so jacked up playing tennis. And I think it's, it's one of the ultimate sports in the sense that like it is just you versus another person in singles, right? Like it, you don't have a team to back you up like you do in basketball. If you miss a shot or you foul out, like, you know, someone can bail you out. That doesn't happen in tennis or in, you know, some sort of maybe martial arts where it's one-on-one -on -one or something. There's very few sports where it's like that. And I love that. And so the, to be able to really control your own destiny is what fires me up about it. And that's, you know, really what fires me up and interests me about a lot of things in, you know, sales or even, you know, being, you know, an entrepreneur or something is like, it's all on you, right? In, in sales, it's the same way where it's like, you get fired up and, and you compete in the same way and, and you try to, you know, you're just doing your best and you control your own destiny. So for me, that just, you know, it, it fired me up and I, I felt like the intensity, you know, similar to a lot of athletes, like, you know, it, it might irk the other person on the other side. And to me, that's only just a, more of an advantage because you're trying to get under someone's skin that way too. So I, right. I do admit to probably be a little obnoxious <laughs> with it. Yeah, no, it, uh, no, it, it makes sense. So did you, did you grow up playing team sports also? I did. Yeah. I played soccer. I played basketball, baseball, hockey. Um, you know, the, the sports that I was probably best at were tennis basketball tennis and basketball and then uh you know once i got to high school it was made pretty clear that you know i went to um one of the best high schools in the state for for basketball they won the state championship i think two or three of the four years that i was there and uh, so it was made pretty clear that you know a five nine guy was you know at the time i was probably five one 100 pounds like was not really going to make it in the world of basketball. So <laughs> I kind of quickly steered in the direction of, of getting into tennis. And then, you know, uh, since those days, you know, I, I really like to run and, and do CrossFit and I've done some obstacle race, course races and things like that. But tennis has really been the sport that stuck with me for life. Got it. So um, it was more that kind of tennis was, I guess, your your best your best sport rather than 
I guess you couldn't find that kind of, um, I guess, competitive fire in other sports, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I would still be I would still be competitive and intense in other sports, but it was definitely brought to a new level with with tennis that just kind of struck a chord with me. And I think I took to it quicker maybe than, than some other sports and, and just really truly fell in love with it. Right. And would you say that you approach, uh, I guess, life or work with the same intensity and focus as you do tennis? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I try to, right? I mean, you got to, I learned quickly that you have to um, maybe tone it back a little bit, you know, because things, you can't really treat, um, you know, say the business world like you do um, in the sports world, right? Like you can't just like, you know, be yelling and screaming and like <laughs> talking smack to people. And, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I probably came into, came into the business world a little, a little cocky. Um, and have, have tried to kind of tone that down a little bit because a lot of it is, you know, you're building relationships and a lot of it is, um, you know, trying to do the, you know, trying to, to work collaboratively with, with your peers and things like that. But for me, the intensity is more so within, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can be super intense about my own personal goals and, and trying to make sure I get there and writing them down every morning and every evening and doing a lot of self-talk and doing a lot of personal development stuff that like, drives me towards those but externally you know to you know to the naked eye uh, I'm definitely a a lot more subdued than I used to be got it gotcha okay and then I guess moving into uh what you do now in your current job maybe if you could just uh describe uh kind of what your role is and what the company is uh, or what company that you work for would be great yeah yeah cool so uh, I work at a company called Tech Target. Um, so we we are the leaders in selling purchase intent data, and we work with uh, you know marketing and sales teams in the technology space to help them find their next customer using our intent data. And um, so we're headquartered out in Boston, or actually Newton, Mass. Um, I am out here in San Francisco, and I run uh, one of our sales teams that helps to drive you know net new customers. And we're working with a lot of small high growth companies, a lot of people that have maybe series C or D funding that are looking to accelerate their marketing and sales efforts. So uh, I spend most of my time, you know, working with the team, coaching them up, working with customers and and trying to, you know, find mutually beneficial uh, partnerships with them and and kind of grow our customer base that way. Got it. So is it kind of like a, like a data as a service sort of thing? Yeah, it's a, it's a software as a service that we sell, okay. um, and it's a it's a subsur- uh, subscription product. Yeah, got it. Uh, how long um, have you been with them? So my whole career, I actually interned with them my senior year of college, and then uh, have been there for the last almost it'll be five years uh, in June. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that seems to be. Um... I guess, particularly nowadays, um, almost unusual with kind of how, uh, uh, I guess, recent graduates tend to, um, at at least, you know, definitely a lot of my friends seem to job hop um, like every year or even less. So why have you stayed um, at Tech Target for um, five years? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with, with, loyalty and that was kind of instilled with me i mean my 
I come from a family of, you know, a family business, right? So my grandfather owns the business. My dad, my uncle, my aunt have all worked there their entire careers. So, you know, 30, right. 40 years. So that, that kind of instills a little bit of that mentality in you. And, um, you know, for me, it's been, you know, undeniably just an amazing place to start my career. Um, and they give something I think that's unique there is that they give a lot of responsibility and a lot of trust to people that are young coming out of school, they promote from within. Um, and so it's given me an opportunity to, you know, move out to San Francisco to, you know, work with some of the biggest companies in the world. Um, and then to be able to actually lead a team at, you know, I, I started doing that last year when I was 25 um, at a really young age and get a lot of experience that way. And so um, to me, you know, uh, I think a lot, it, it really speaks to the leadership and, you know, being able to give and get trust with them and being able to learn from them. And, um, you know, if you find yourself in a position like that, you know, you want to take advantage of it and you want to keep growing there. Um, and if you're, you know, listening, you, you might not be in that situation. You don't feel that type of, you know, mutual respect and you don't feel like you're growing, then, you know, there's a lot of organizations that, that do do that. And so um, I think it's really all about trying to find the right vehicle and find the right place where, you know, you feel comfortable, you feel challenged, um, you feel like, you know, respected, and uh, they're giving you opportunities. And, and that's what Tech Target's certainly done for me the last few years. Gotcha. And what what is your perspective on kind of this job hopping trend, um, I guess, for, for millennials that have uh, almost become the norm nowadays? Um, I'm, I'm sure you probably have have a perspective considering, uh, I guess, your millennial momentum venture. Yeah, I mean, I do. So, like, I, I definitely get why people would, you know, change jobs. I mean, that's part of a, a career. And I think sure. generally people are, you know, that's that's just the trend more so with everyone is that, you know, maybe decades ago, generations ago, you stuck at one company for your whole life. Um, and that was kind of the pact. And they weren't going to fire you and you weren't going to leave them. And it was kind of like a marriage. Um, and now I think people are, are seeing it more as, as stepping stones. And I think, you know, it can, when it's done strategically, I think there's, there can be value there, right. In, in trying to think about what you want your career to be and trying to find different opportunities that help you get there. Um, what I think, where I think people and, and millennials in particular run into issues there is I've seen a lot of people make quick leaps for, you know, to try to make a quick buck, or maybe the idea wasn't really thought through. So they changed their company for, you know, a $5,000 salary increase, which is great at first, but maybe they didn't think about that the company might not be doing too well, or they didn't think about who their boss is going to be, or they didn't think about the culture and whether it's the right fit or what they wanted to do. And then, you know, five months later, they're like, man, this is not what I want to do. And now I'm, I'm pivoting again. And so um, I think you can still move jobs and do it in a strategic fashion. But I think there's definitely something to be said about, you know, trying to think about where you want to be in the three to five year span and trying to work towards that. There's also something to be said about if you find yourself in a, in a, a tricky position, especially on your first job, give it the full year, right? Like give it at least a year, maybe two, because um, especially coming straight out of school, you don't really know what you don't know. And, and your first job, no matter what it is, is going to be tough and it's going to be challenging. And so there's something to be said about working through that 
and figuring out how to do the job well um, before you just jump because it's getting hard or because it's you know not as fun as as you were having in college, right? So um, I think you know to to kind of end the rant, like you can you can still change your career course and kind of follow what your passion should be and follow what you think you do well and, and put yourself in the right spot. But it should be strategic and it shouldn't just be to make a quick small you know, uh, salary jump in, in the short term. You should be trying to think as long term as possible. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with all of that. Um, you know, I think, uh, another something to be said, if you want to change jobs because you, you know, absolutely hate it after six months, um, you know, maybe it makes sense, but yeah, I mean, I think nowadays you should definitely be thinking more, uh, more long-term and more strategically, like you said. Um, and I think, you know, nowadays there's kind of this instant gratification, I guess, culture that's that's going around where um, that's maybe driving a lot of millennials' decisions to, like you said, move to a different role for that, you know, $5,000 salary increase. So I think, um, Big time. in my opinion, you definitely, yeah, I think you nailed it on the head there. Um, yeah, I mean, look at, and look at like what you're doing, right? I mean, you're doing the opposite of that. Like you're doing, you're, you're, taking a step back so that you can take a leap forward. I think that's how you, how you had a phrase before that I've listened to on some of your other episodes. It's like, that's, that's what you're trying to do. And like, that's the right, in my opinion, the right move is that you want to be thinking long-term as, as much as possible, because, you know, if we were a millennial, right, you're in probably in your twenties or maybe early thirties and you got a long ways to go. So that like, you know, 5,000 or $2,000 raise, really doesn't mean that much in the long term. It's about what what's going to challenge you and help you grow and turn you into the person that you want to become. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, for, for many people, um, you know, the, the sales job, especially, you know, in software sales is um, probably enough of a daily grind for people. So what, <laughs> <laughs> what, what made you want to take on a new venture, um, which is called the Millennial Momentum? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I so I got into I got into sales kind of haphazardly in college during the summer um, where I got shoulder surgery. I couldn't teach tennis as as I normally had done, and I picked up a you know bright flyer on the ground of a parking lot, and it was like you know make money, flexible hours. So I started doing it, and it was selling Cutco knives. And um, you know I'm naturally an introvert, and so it was kind of against my normal nature to, to try something like that. I tried it and I really loved it and, and it kind of got me hooked into sales. Um, and so from there, right, um, as I continued to do that after graduating school, um, you know, I was really driven and I was, you know, pretty intense about it. But, you know, as I started getting more intense and, and driven, per, you know, professionally, I stopped doing a lot of the stuff that I was doing in college. You know, I wasn't you know, staying out till two in the morning, drinking at bars and doing this and that, you know, I had, and, and when you stop doing that type of stuff, you have a lot more free time on your hands. And so, um, you know, I started initially with, you know, my roommate at the time, one of my good friends, Ryan Warner, and we, you know, we love listening to podcasts. We love reading books. We love just trying to get better. And so he said, you know, there's no barrier to entry to start a podcast. And Maybe we can meet some cool people. Maybe we can learn some stuff. Let's just try it out. And um, so we did the first interview. Uh, it's almost three years ago at this point. We we went to my boss's apartment and we brought a six pack of beer. 
because we thought, thought you know, we might want to kind of set the mood. And we had three microphones and, um, you know, we talked to him for an hour and that's kind of how it started. And, and we didn't publish it for a couple months because we were afraid to. And, um, you know, once, once we got the journey going, it's just been, you know, one of the best things that I've ever done um, to really, you know, learn, meet amazing people, try to stand out from the crowd of, you know, the other 100,000, you know, salespeople in San Francisco um, professionally and, and just try to keep continue to learn and grow and push myself into new ventures. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I know for me, um, you know, my podcast is obviously, um, you know, very new uh, and I've got, you know, a lot to learn. But I think even if this, you know, for, you know, for whatever reason, um, you know, uh, you know, doesn't grow to, I don't know, be, you know, uber, uber, I guess, big or uber successful. Um, it's still going to be a win for me because I really enjoy doing it and I get to talk to really interesting and successful people that I wouldn't have gotten the chance to talk to otherwise. So I can definitely, um, I guess, get your story for sure. Understand it. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's like when you're thinking about networking and stuff too, you know, I, I started my career thinking like, you know, people say, get a mentor. And so I'd email people and say, Hey, do you want to, you know, get a coffee for 15 minutes? And, you know, pretty much no one ever responds to that. But if you say, Hey, I've got a podcast and I'll help you promote your book or promote your business or talk about yourself for 45 minutes. Like people love doing that and people love talking about themselves and spreading mm-hmm. the word about themselves. And so it was kind of this hack to meet, you know, all these amazing people that were CEOs or gold medalists or, you know, best-selling authors or whatever, you know, just people that I genuinely wanted to meet and, and enjoyed their presence. Um, it, it's kind of just been this hack and I'm sure you started to see that and, and we'll continue to see that as you interview people that you get access to people that you never would have thought that you'd be able to speak to. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. Uh, and maybe just for uh, people listening, um, provide, you know, maybe a brief overview of kind of what the millennial momentum is would be great. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, millennial momentum is, um, it's the blog and podcast that I run. It's all focused about millennial personal development. So, you know, I've gone through a few iterations of it, but you know, right now, uh, what's taking form is I do a, you know, a weekly longer form blog, and then I have a daily, uh, shorter blog and podcast that I put out. And right now what I'm really doubling down on, you know, I did about 120 interviews that I was doing on a weekly basis. Um, and now I'm doing some more short form content that's really, it's daily and it's really focused on trying to drive more positivity and inspiration into people's lives um, at a short, you know, short form scale. And I think especially at a time like this, right, where there's so much craziness going on in the world with, you know, the coronavirus, obviously, and the stock market and just all the stuff that's going on. Um, I think it's, it's important now more than ever to be, you know, try to be positive, show optimism, Try to work on your self improvement. Work on yourself um, because it's gonna, you know, we're 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 heading towards some tough times. And so, trying to be as resilient as possible, trying to learn in a time like this is super important. And, and trying to have a community that feeds off each other and continues to help each other grow. So um, that's what really kind of inspires me to do it. Um, and so, yeah, you can learn more about it millennialmomentum.net as a quick plug. <laughs> gotcha. Um... And what did, 
did you initially start it as a podcast or was it a blog initially? Yeah, it was initially um, a podcast. I had written a few blogs just like, and I posted them on LinkedIn or somewhere, but really where it started to take hold was the podcast um, with my buddy. And then um, it was actually under a different name. And then once, you know, after about 30 or so episodes, he, he moved and we kind of each started doing our own thing. And um, that's when I kind of reframed it to Millennium Momentum. And I've been pumping out podcasts and blogs for the last two or so years under that name. Gotcha. And um, you, re- you recently decided to change the format or I guess maybe the, the structure of the, the podcast um, in order to make your workload a little more manageable, manageable right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it was, you know, it was getting to a point where, as you know, right, like running a podcast, you might think it's just like, well, you talk to someone for an hour and then you post it and that's it. It's an hour of your time. But it's actually so much more if you're doing interviews because you got to find the people, you know, you got to prospect them, you got to email call, find a way to get them set up. You got to do a ton of research if you want to make it a good interview. And then you got to edit it. You might have to do a write-up. You got to put it on social media. You got to post it. There's so much stuff that goes on with it that um, it was after doing it for two years, pretty much every single week, um, was starting to be a little bit more of a, uh, of a brunt on the workload than what I could handle. So I decided to, to take a little pause from doing any podcasting. And then I just kind of found some inspiration actually in, I've heard you speak about Ryan Holiday before. He's probably my favorite author yep. and he does the, the daily stoic series. Um, that's, you know, short form content really about, you know, how you can use stoicism in your normal day activities. So I took some inspiration from that and said, you know, I can do more content blog and podcast if it's short form, I can kind of get ahead of the content and, and write a lot of it ahead of time. Um, and then post it as a daily kind of reminder to people, to, you know, something that's uplifting and something that's positive to kick off their day. So that was, that was kind of the way that I made that pivot. Interesting. Okay. And, um, I guess, uh, one of the reasons that, uh, I guess another reason that you decided to, um, to do this, uh, was, I think I remember reading that, um, an article that you recently posted about, um, you going through this pretty bad experience of burnout. Um, Mm -hmm. is is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, so I wrote it, you know, I, I wrote it, you know, probably at least a year ago and it took me about nine or 10 months to get the guts to publish it. Cause I never really published anything that personal before. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the stuff that I write, you know, sometimes it's personal. A lot of times it's, it's, you know, doing research on a certain topic or reading a book or having a podcast interview, things like that. Um, and I'm, I'm usually kind of buttoned up when it comes to my personal life what, that I put on the blog. Um, but, you know, I felt it was necessary um, to put out there because I've heard a lot of, you know, people that I know and love struggle with, you know, some things with mental health, anxiety, burnout. And it's kind of, it has a negative stigma to it that, it's one of those things that's like politics or religion where it's an important thing and no one's willing to talk about it um, generally. So I decided to just kind of 
you know, get the guts one Sunday to hit publish on it when I wasn't even intending to, you know, the day before. And the response I got was crazy. Um, I'd never gotten as many responses to a blog that I've written in the last three years than I did on that one. Um, and people kind of reaching out from the woodwork, emailing me, texting me, saying, man, you know, I feel the same way. Thanks for, for publishing this. Like, you know, it's, it's a tough thing to talk about. And it opened up some really interesting conversations with people that, even people that I talk to, you know, every week or talk to really frequently that I didn't know that they struggle with that. They didn't know that I struggle with that. And so um, it's something that, it, although it, it can feel taboo, it's actually super helpful to actually be able to talk about it with people. And so um, I figured just by sharing it, it might be able to help other people open up and talk about it themselves. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, I think, you know, you know, due to, uh, I guess what's driving a lot of that response is that it's something that a lot of people can, can really relate to. Um, and I actually shared a somewhat similar type article on, on LinkedIn, um, that kind of walked really walked through in detail. Um, I guess my ongoing journey of self-discovery and why I left um, my previous firm and kind of what I was going through both uh, physically and mentally and the responses I got were also, um, uh, you know, it was just a lot and, you know, really crazy and how many people were, you know, emailing me, email me and texting me, you know, hey, this is, um, you know, really compelling and inspirational. I was also going through this and this and that. So, um, yeah, definitely commend you for, for sharing that. Um, uh, and I know for me it was, uh, it almost felt like I kind of got something off my chest and it was also almost, yeah. almost like a kind of weight that was kind of brought off my shoulders. I don't know if you had the same feeling. Um, when he published it. Yeah, I did. Um, and it's just, it's something that I think regardless of how, you know, positive you are, regardless of how much energy you have on a day to day, you might be seen as someone that, you know, like me, I think a lot of people would describe me as super positive. Um, you know, everyone's got bad days and everyone, you know, there's a quote that everyone is, fighting some sort of battle you don't know about. So, so be kind to everyone. And so everyone's going through something. Everyone's got a past. Everyone's got some sort of, you know, issues that they're dealing with, whether it's personal, whether it's health-wise, their family life, their professional life. And so I think just being able to talk about it in the open and just understand that, you know, we're not robots, we're humans. Um, and it, it helps to, to kind of provide a deeper connection with people. And um, again, the more you can talk about that type of stuff, I think, the better you feel and the better you can actually act on it and, and try to find solutions to make yourself feel better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how, how would you describe your interview style uh, for your own podcast? Like, do you try to emulate other podcasters um, or do you kind of, I guess, uh, really trying to focus on kind of building up your own style? That's a good question. I feel like anytime you start doing anything, you're you're emulating the people that got you interested in the topic. Like when you start playing tennis, you might pick it, pick up the racket, and you know try to emulate you know Roger Federer or Andre Agassi <laughs> or whoever inspired you. And I definitely felt that. I definitely did that too, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as like a you know as a writer, you you write like the people that you read, and then as a podcaster, like you know I. One of the reasons I got into is like, you know, people like Tim Ferriss 
or um, you know Joe Rogan or Michael Gervais or you know there's a lot of people that you know I love podcasts and you know I might emulate their style a little bit just because I've listened to them so much and they do a great job in my opinion so um, I think the goal is to try to kind of weave that and create your own style but it definitely takes some time so like I just try to I try to just be curious if I'm interviewing someone and the my worst interviews there's a few that like I really I got someone that maybe they had a good you know big name or maybe it was I was struggling to find interview pe people to interview and so I took it and it just wasn't very good because I wasn't genuinely interested but when I focused on man this person is interesting you know I love what they do I want to learn more I want to get to know them um, and was genuinely curious about how they did certain things or about their life those were always the best interviews that I did um, and I had the most fun and they got the best responses so for me I feel like you know, the interview process should be super just curiosity driven. Yeah, that's interesting. When you're actually saying that, um, I reflected back on kind of all the interview, like the, the jobs I was interviewing for after I left um, Equality Asset Management um, and you know, kind of how, uh, you know, if I went in really actually like really genuinely interested in the opportunity in the job, I performed a lot better. Whereas if it was just kind of... Um, you know, this would probably work for me. Um, I'd probably like it. Uh, let's see where, it, let's see how this goes. Didn't perform as well. So um, I guess it's interesting to see the parallel there. Yeah, I feel like that pertains to a lot of things in life. Like you gotta, if, you, if you're actually interested in it, you know, you're more likely to, to put the effort in and do the homework and really be present in the moment and locked in. And so, um, you know, every, a part of every job, whether it's a, a real job or, you know, side gig, like what I'm doing, um, there's parts of it that, that aren't fun and that you're not interested in. And, um, as long as you can find some aspect of it that is interesting and, and you are curious about, it and you are actually passionate about it, then I think your performance goes up a lot. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what's your ultimate vision for the millennial ment millennial momentum, like looking like say, you know, five or 10 years out? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I don't, I don't really know. Um, you know, <clears throat> I, I know that I get a lot of enjoyment and a lot of learning and a lot of growth out of doing it every day and every week and, um, you know, writing a lot and it, it forces me to read and it forces me to take in information and then try to figure out concepts and put them on paper and try to make the ideas clear and hear feedback from people and try to get better and better. And so, for me, I, I've seen it just as this, you know, going back to our conversation about job hopping and stuff like that, like I see it as this really long-term plan that um, is gonna put me in the right position for something, right? And I wanna, you know, genuinely, I wanna just have an impact, a positive impact on a lot of people um, to help them get, you know, get off the proverbial couch and get moving or help take them, you know, people that are starting a journey to the next level make them feel good, make them feel confident, help them learn. And so for me, I don't really have necessarily a long-term vision of what that's going to look like, but I know that if I keep doing the work and I keep trying to get better and I keep other people in mind that doors will open at some point, um, hopefully I can continue to grow the audience and have an impact and, and um, you know, we'll see where it goes. But I don't really have a, a, a true vision for what I hope it's going to be in five years or 10 years. I just know that if I keep doing the work and I keep 
trying to offer value that, um, you know, it'll grow over time. Yeah. And I think that's smart. And it sounds like for you also, you, you just really enjoy, enjoy doing it. Um, and kind of, like I said, for, for me, I think that's just a win in itself. So, um, so yeah, Big time. Uh, I guess so maybe solely based on or around passion, fulfillment, enjoyment, if you had to choose between your sales job at tech target or millennial momentum as your only job, which would you choose? Well, there's, there's something to be said about, um, you know, what your passions are and there's something to be said about what is, what your other goals are in life too. Right. So, um, you know, part of it, part of life, at least for me, the way I've drawn it up is like, you know, you want to be passionate about what you do. You want to be in the moment. You want to be like, I'm saying, you know, interested in what you're doing so that you do a really good job. Um, and there's another part of it, uh, of it where, you know, there's the lifestyle that you want to have. There's some of the other goals that you might have financially and, and with your future that way. And so for me, that's a tough question to answer because I do love writing and I love podcasting, but I do love sales as well. You know, like I love, you know, the competition aspect that we were talking about earlier about like, you know, trying to figure out a solution. Like I've got this goal that I've set and, you know, I want to sell a million dollars or whatever it is. And like, I want to, you know, help you know, this customer's got these, these problems and like, I'm talking to them and you're kind of like solving a puzzle and it's just super interesting and compelling to try to see psychologically, how can I take the problem that they have knowing what products that we offer and like, how can we find a mutually beneficial way of doing this that helps you out as the customer and, you know, helps you get a raise or get promoted or look good to your boss because that's what's happening on the other side. And then how do I, you know, try to hit my goals that I've got because obviously I'm, you know, I'm commission based and I'm, I've got a quota to hit and all that good stuff that sales has. So for me, um, it's a tough question to answer. I don't have a straight answer for you. It's, it's really about for me trying to marry the two as much as I can uh, and try to, you know, have some of my content influence how I'm selling learn and how I can learn about sales and help that influence my content as well. So, um, for me, it's, it's trying to marry the two and trying to, you know, work on some of these different crafts at the same time and, and get better at them. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I guess shifting topics, I guess back to, um, millennials, cause I know you love kind of talking about topics surrounding, um, I guess our generation, what's yeah. what's your reaction to the stereotype around millennials that we want too much accommodation and flexibility in our jobs um yeah i mean it's it's tough to say i i think sometimes it's kind of it, it's situation dependent i think for you know generally for our generation we value different things than the generation before us did and you know, our parents generation values different things than their parents did. And I think that's a natural cause of events. Like you see how the lives of your parents unfolded and that impacts how you want your life to be, whether positive or negative. Maybe you want to be exactly like your dad or mom and want to follow their career path and want to do what they did. Um, or maybe you saw what they did, they went through and you want to do the exact opposite, or maybe it's somewhere in between. And so 
I think a lot of millennials are the way that we've, we've been grown up and with all this technology is that we do value flexibility and we value the culture of a company and maybe that we want to work for a company that has a, a really promising mission statement and you know they're doing well in the community and it's not just all about the profits and it's not just all about grinding and Excel sheets and stuff like that. Um, so I think that's that's more common and I think that's fair and you know there's no reason why you should have to necessarily choose between a job that uh, you know look you know it is a good job and, and pays you well and you do the right thing and there's also the, the other side of it where you can have flexible hours or work from home or it's going to be you know have some sort of sustainability with the company and they're going to you know uh, treat the the whole ecosystem well and things like that. So um, I think that, you know, companies are, are adapting to that too. You know, they, they, it's the company's job to also adapt to who they're trying to hire. And so you see more and more companies um, trying to adapt to this, like with, you know, trying to add, you know, more diversity to their leadership or trying to play a bigger part in the community or trying to offer work from home or the dogs can go to work or they've got beer on tap or something like that. So um, I think for everyone, I don't think it's necessarily unreasonable, but you got to have your your values in a, in a specific order, right? Like you might not get the job that pays you a ton, a ton of money and have flexible hours and you work from home and there's free beer on tap that you're going to drink every night at the office. Like you might not get all <laughs> those things. Yeah. So like you might, you know, for everyone, their their priorities are different. So, you know, I would encourage people to just pick out and kind of stack rank like, what are the things that I care most about? And maybe it's money. Maybe it's the strong mission statement of a company that you align with. And maybe it's other stuff. It's growth potential. It's growth of the company. And figure out what's most important to you. And I think there's a spot for everyone. Um, you just have to find what's what's the right move for you. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on the emergence of this almost, uh, I guess, grit culture that's been spearheaded by the likes of uh, you know Gary V and Elon Musk. Um, do you do you think it's unhealthy or bad in any way? Yeah, I think it's that's a good question. I mean, there's a line with everything, and I think it's also, you know, everything is is super dependent on who you are as a person. And and you know, with the we're talking about the world changing, and what's super interesting to me now is like people that were normally unavailable. Uh, to learn about throughout time are incredibly available to learn every single moment of the day. Like, you know, back in the day, you know, decades ago, if you wanted to learn about someone, maybe they had a talk show or maybe you read their book or maybe they were on TV or the radio, but that's kind of it. And now you've got, say, someone like Gary Vee who, um, you know, there's parts of him that I really like and there's parts that maybe I don't really like, but He's on social media and you can you could probably spend six hours a day consuming all his content because he puts out so much on YouTube and Instagram right. and LinkedIn everywhere. So um, it's easy to get influenced by people and, and only see one side of them and only see that side that's put, putting out a lot of content and stuff like that. So like for me, I think it's important again to know kind of what your goals are and what your what the limits that you have to set on yourself are. Um, and like, if you want to be Elon Musk and you want to, you know, run those types of companies and you want to run like, you know, SpaceX and Tesla all at the same time, um, then you might have to work 
a really, really long time and, and hard hours and like really sacrifice a lot. I do believe that. Um, but there's a very, very, very small percentage, you know, 0.0001% of people that are doing what Elon Musk does and should be doing what Elon Musk does. Most of us, pretty much everyone, myself included, needs some sort of balance. Like I'm all for, you know, effort and attitude, right? Two things that you can control, putting in like the time to do things well. And like, you know, I'm up at five in the morning writing or working out or doing something before my workday starts. And I'm, I'm a strong believer in that. But I'm also a believer in that if you do that and you're working 20 hours a day and you don't get sleep and you're not taking care of yourself, that might work for a year or two, but you're just going to get burnt out and you're going to feel terrible. Yeah. And you're going to you know, maybe regret what some of the decisions that you made. So um, it's really trying to play that line of trying to work really hard and thinking long term and trying to put yourself in a position to achieve your goals um, while also balancing like, hey, you got to take care of yourself. Like You got to get eight hours of sleep or at least seven like to really perform well. Like you got to eat well, whatever that means for you. You got to spend time with people that you care about. You know, you got to uh, maybe have some sort of a, a mindfulness or prayer or some sort of stillness practice that, you know, kind of allows you to have some alone time with yourself and feel good. Um, and then, you know, kind of figure out what routine works well for you. So I think to answer your question, like there is, there's some good that comes with thinking about grit and hustling and, and trying to get better and working hard. But you do have to be careful because as you know, I wrote about and we talked about earlier, like you can definitely burn yourself out if you're going too hard all the time. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, for us, we're, you know, two, uh, you know, hard charging type A personalities, uh, yeah. uh, I, I would say. And I think we, those type of people, we like to push the line and see how far we can really push ourselves. Um, and that can almost be to our, to our detriment. Um, and both of us, uh, kind of probably through pushing that line, um, experienced a pretty severe form, uh, form of burnout, burnout. And then I'm sure a lot of people have, have, uh, experienced the same thing after, like you said, doing a year or two of that. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, you, you gotta try to understand it when you're young, like we are, you don't really know what the limits are and what to do, right? You're, we're, we're in this space where in school you're told like, Hey, do this, you know, study this thing, write this this paper X, Y, Z, and that's how you get a good grade. There's no guide like that for life. And there's so, there's a million different ways to live your life. So you got to figure out what's best for you. And part of being young is trying to figure out what that means. And everyone's got different thresholds for how much they can work or should work or, you know, what they want to achieve. And so uh, it's trying to find that right balance, which is for me, it's just been a moving target and something that I'm, um, I definitely haven't nearly mastered. And, um, Right. And, and trying to get better at. Right. And similarly, how much do you think hard work plays into living a productive life? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's huge, right? Uh, that's the dichotomy of like you want to rest and do all that stuff I was talking about. But um, for me, you know, I, I live, um, you know, one of the quotes that really rings true with me the most is, you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And like, I don't, I don't view myself as naturally, uh, you know, as an athlete, I definitely didn't view myself as a natural athlete. I didn't, I don't view myself as naturally, you know, incredibly intelligent person. 
um, or an intelligent, incredibly great, you know, writer or have a lot of skills or anything like that. Um, I feel like I've worked really hard um, at trying to get better at things, and I've been pretty relentless and always trying to grow. And you know, really, I think you know, a book that would really change people's opinions on a lot of this stuff is is book Mindset by Carol Dweck, which is all focuses yep. on having a growth mindset and understanding you're born with what you've got to an extent, right? You are the height you have. You are, you know, how smart you are, just how you are. Um, but there's ways to get better and there's ways to uh, think better and you know, become smarter in certain areas, more skilled in certain areas, more creative, you know, more loving, more compassionate, more intense if you want to be. Um, and so, you know, for me, it's, it's all trying to, you know, the hard work is, is trying to get better at, at the things that matter. And there's really no replacement for, you know, putting in the hours um, and, and doing so in a thoughtful way to, to try to get to whatever, whatever goal you're trying to achieve. So um, you got to just uh, control what you can control, effort, attitude, treating other people well. Yeah, man. And uh, actually, probably just a few months ago, um, read Carol Dweck's book, Mindset, for the first time. I'd kind of been reluctant for a while to, to read it because I thought, ah, oh, I, I have a growth mindset. I don't, I don't see the need to, to read this. But when I did actually um, open it up and start reading it, I was like, wow, um, I really don't apply this. As much as I thought I did, I really don't apply this growth mindset to uh, other parts of my life. So um, it's a value. I think it's you know a really valuable book for um, you know people looking not just for your, like your career and business, but also other parts of your life as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what's interesting, too, is like you, you hear growth mindset kind of thrown around, but she gets really in-depth, like no one is all growth or all fixed either. You're somewhere on a spectrum, and that spectrum's different for your growth mindset for your business versus your relationships versus your health versus whatever other buckets that you care about. So um, there's always room for, you know, trying to, to, to get better in those areas. Yeah. And I read on the Millennial Momentum website that your number one goal in life is to reach your full potential um, and they want total optimization of the most important areas of your life, whether it be financial, professional, health relationships, um, and spirituality, I think are the, the, uh, the aspects that you touch on. I guess, what's that journey been like for you um, so far in trying to achieve this total optimization? Yeah, I mean, the journey has been learning right learning is for me and growing is is the most valuable asset so i prioritize that over a lot of other stuff um and so it's 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 funny because i don't think that you ever necessarily it's a goal that may not even be achievable right you don't even know when you've achieved it mm -hmm. uh but to me you know i feel that uh, you know I'm a, I'm a different person than i was you know five years ago when i was graduating school um, and because i've exposed myself to people and ideas and concepts that, you know, I wasn't exposed to before. And I put a lot of time into trying to research that. And so um, for me, it's, it's, you know, outside of just like working really hard in sales and doing the podcast and the blog, like, you know, I've had to learn a lot about, um, you know, relationships, you know, I've, I've, I've been with, um, you know, dating my girlfriend for almost three years now. And like, that's been a whole nother journey for me because um, I've had to learn <laughs> you know, a lot about just, just how that, how that works and how to, you know, be a good partner and things like that. And, you know, I've, I've had to learn about, 
you know, how to take care of myself from, you know, a mindfulness, spiritual practice that, you know, I'm, I'm really at a, still at a very amateur beginner stage of that too. So for me, I think part of the, the fun of it is that it's a journey that's never over. You're always kind of tinkering and always trying to get a little better um, and your priorities change throughout life. And so um, for me, that, that's the fun of it. If, if it's a goal, that's simply just like, hey, I want to get to this point um, and I want to achieve this thing. I want to make this amount of money. Once you get there, what's next? So to have a goal that's, that's continuously kind of challenging me um, is, is something that's interesting and, and keeps me going. Interesting. And I'm, I'm guessing you probably had many moments of realizing that you're probably putting too much time or energy into one area and that was causing other areas to lack. 100%. I mean, yeah. Uh, but that's, that's kind of uh, part of the process. And I think that that also changes over time. Like you can't, um, I won't say you can't, but I don't like definitive statements like that. But it's, it's really hard to have I call them buckets, right? Like you have your financial bucket, you got your relationship bucket, you got maybe your work bucket, your creativity, your spiritual. So to have every single bucket filled at the same time is maybe unrealistic. And I think there's points in life where you have to skew more heavily towards certain buckets, right? Like if you're, if you really want to get ahead and work, then you might have to work, you know, 10 hours, 12 hours, however many hours a day. And your relationships might suffer a little bit for that. Um, in which case, maybe you put more in the relationship bucket. Well, maybe you might not spend, you know, two hours a day meditating. And, or you might not go to church every Sunday or whatever your, your practice is. So that might, that might go down a little bit. And so I think it's, although the goal is to have as many filled up as possible, and I'm, I'm striving towards that, I think it's also realistic to understand we go through a lot of different seasons in life. And, you know, there's certain times where you have to invest more time in areas like, you know, for me, for example, like I, I have a girlfriend, but I don't have kids or anything. So like there's a lot less time that I have that I'm spending on that type of stuff, because if I had kids, you know, you, you, there's whole all these other responsibilities that maybe I wouldn't be able to do as much writing or I'm, I wouldn't be able to, you know, work out as often or. Uh, spend as much time, you know, on my job or whatever that might be. So, so to me, and, and at least what I've learned from a lot of people is that you got to kind of uh, follow whatever the season of life that you're in, do the best that you can to keep those buckets filled, but understand that um, life's not perfect. And you know, at some points you're going to be doing better in other areas um, and, and, and just try to keep it as balanced as you can. Got it. And do you think you're at all close to being, I guess, optimized? Um, no, I mean, I would be, if I, if I, if I, if I told you, yes, I'd be lying, man. I, I don't think anyone is, is quite, um, you know, if they're really introspective, think that they're at, you know, their prime optimal position because, you know, life's just a tough thing, man. And, and you're just trying to do as best you can in, in every area. So I've got, you know, a laundry list of, of faults and a laundry list of uh, things that I want to get better at. And that that aren't quite perfect and that's okay um so i'm not there i don't necessarily expect i'll ever be there um but part of the fun is is just trying to get better and, and trying to work on it every day yeah yeah for sure um and you mentioned meditation uh do, do you meditate 
I do. It's I'm I'm a I'm definitely a novice, so I don't want to kind of uh, speak from the soapbox. But I do uh, pretty much every morning. I'll meditate um, for about five minutes, and just it, it's kind of part of the morning routine where I'll just work, kind of focus on my breathing, do some box breathing, uh, and then kind of just follow the breath for a little bit, um, and then say a small prayer, and then kind of get into my day. So it's 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 been helpful especially, you know, we're talking before about like me and you were both pretty like type A, intense, driven people. So it's a good way for me to kind of, you know, uh, just kind of find my center a little bit before the day gets crazy. And before I start doing all this crazy stuff um, to just kind of get me locked in for the day. So it's been helpful, but I'm definitely um, a novice. Got it. Interesting. Um, And what's been your favorite book that you've read recently? My favorite book that I've been that I've read recently—that is a good question. Um, so the best book, I mean, the book that changed my life was *To Think and Grow Rich* by Napoleon Hill, and I read that shortly after graduating school, and um, was kind of in this trap of like, you know, just like I was saying before, like going out, you know, drinking a lot, partying a lot, not really mm-hmm. focusing on some of the stuff that we've been talking about. And so I reread that book every uh, at the end of every year to kind of get me geared up for the new year. Um, and it always kind of rings a different bell, so to speak, um, every year. So that one, like, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention that book. Yeah. Um, but the best, the best book that I've probably read for this year um, is, I, I actually reread this book um, just last week called uh, From Life is Good. I don't know if you know that company that's out in Boston. They yep. like t-shirts and stuff. But it's about the two founders who are brothers and um, talks about their journey. But it's super cool because they, they talk about their 10 superpowers, quote unquote, that they have that has helped their business. And it's a super um, – they have an interesting approach to business where they work really hard. They we're selling t-shirts out of their van for five years and we're living in the van and eating PB and J sandwiches. But they also talk a lot about like, you know, trying to have fun and enjoying the process and being silly and being super creative and, um, you know, having humor with what they're doing, um, and how that's helped their business. So, um, that's probably the best book I've read recently. Um, you guys should check out. Interesting. Yeah. I'll definitely check that out. So it's about the, the life is good founders. Yep. Yeah, you should, um, yeah, give it a check out. And, um, you know, they spread a lot of positivity, which I think is needed right now. Interesting. Okay. I'll definitely check that out. Um, what's So what does your daily routine look like these days? Um, yep. So I will uh, get up about 5 in the morning, 4.45, somewhere around that point. Um, wow. do the Good normal, for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's another thing that's that's definitely helped. Um, and do the normal stuff, you know, brush the teeth, have a glass of water, um, and then I'll do a little bit of freehand journaling for a few minutes. Um, morning pages is what Julia Cameron calls it in, in her book, The Artist's Way, and that's kind of just like a brain dump from everything that's going on in my head. There's no rules. I just try to keep my pen on the paper. And just write about whatever's going through my mind at that moment. It's a good kind of way to wake up and just see like if anything's stressing me out. Um, and then usually I'll I'll uh, hop in the shower, get changed, do all that stuff. And then um, while my coffee's brewing, that's when I'll meditate for about five minutes. 
and then at that point it might be 5:45 or 6 in the morning and I'll I'll usually put in a good hour or so of writing um before the day gets too crazy um before anyone can you know reach me and then once that happens I'll I'll probably get some some breakfast going and then get into my work day um work uh I don't know maybe 7:30 is when I start kind of getting into things like I said I I my brain fires in the morning so I get a lot of productivity done um, and then I'll work till whenever, you know, six o'clock, call it, you know, eat some dinner, spend some time with my girlfriend right now. Again, we're on lockdown. So, um, you know, we're definitely spending a lot of time together. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, I might check up on email and stuff at night. If anything's pressing, I'll, I'll work on it. But otherwise, you know, we'll, we'll spend some time together. Maybe I'll read a book. Maybe, uh, if I'm not on lockdown, I might spend some time with friends or, or just relax and something like that. So that's, on a typical work day, that's kind of how the schedule goes. Yeah, lockdown changes some things. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. It definitely does. I like to get a, a workout in at some point, which is tough right now with my shoulder situation. Um, but otherwise, at some point, maybe in the evening, um, I'll, I'll, I'll go for a run or you know, I like doing CrossFit-type workouts. Mm-hmm. And on your website, it says that gratitude gratitude keeps you grounded um would you mind expanding on that yeah i mean i i think especially for um you know a type a person that's that's really driven and has a lot of goals um gratitude has been something that's been helpful to help ground me in in certain areas right like i if you're driven and you're ambitious i think that's great and you want, you have all these goals and you want to achieve all these things and make this money or get this status or have this best podcast or whatever. But it's also important to have the dichotomy of saying, you know, I I have enough right now, you know, and I'm grateful for so many things that have, that are out of my control. Like I'm, I'm born into this generation. You know, I could have just as easily been born into, you know, some of the worst times in the world. And I could have been, you know, this and that, or, um, you know, so I'm, I'm eternally grateful for, you know, the position that I'm in that I did nothing to earn. Um, you know, I'm grateful for, you know, just the way that the world works and that I'm living another day and, you know, for all the people that are, are you know, I have in my life. And so I try to spend a little bit of time in that, you know, maybe in that journal process or in the evening or just when I feel like I need it, I might write down a list of a few things I'm grateful for. I might just kind of think about that uh, in the stillness of the morning, um, to help remind myself that regardless of whatever happens today, good, bad, or ugly, like there's a lot to be happy about. There's a lot to be grateful for. Um, especially if you're listening to this podcast, like I'm sure you're going through troubles. We all are. Um, but you probably have a lot to be grateful for too. So where do you think your competitive competitiveness and drive comes from? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I think I definitely get some of it. Uh, some of it's in my blood from my parents. I mean, they're, they're definitely both grinders in their own ways. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm really you know, impressed to see them as role models for me and, and have throughout my life, um, just in terms of what they've done, you know, professionally, what they've done with the family, what they've done with themselves. Um, and so that, that definitely you know, has sparked that. I also think as, as a kid, I was always brought up with 
the the belief and, and really reinforce about like hard work and reinforce about your effort levels versus necessarily only results. Um, so it was not, it wasn't necessarily like, hey, you have to get straight A's or you need, you know, we want you to be the best, you know, the captain of the team or this or that. Like it was about like, hey, did you put in the effort? Like, did you work hard? Um, did you study as hard as you could have? Which a lot of times for me, that answer is probably no. Um, and did you do your best and, and, you know, play fairly and things like that. So I think a lot of that was reinforced at an early age of like, you know, effort is great. Like working hard is good. Like, you know, putting in your best effort, you know, and, and accepting whatever the result is, is the right way to do it. And so, um, I, I've definitely kind of followed that mantra. Right. Right. Um, well, I think I think it's a good place to to end and wrap this up. But I guess before before we do, what would you like to leave the people listening who maybe are burned out at work um, or stuck in a rut in other parts of their lives and aren't sure how to best move forward? Yeah, I mean that's a good question. I mean the the first thing that I would say is that um, for anyone that that does feel like that, you are one hundred percent not alone. Um, you're not the only one that feels that way. Um, you're not the only one that is struggling with something like that. There are people that are out there that, you know, care about you and that are willing to talk to you and willing to listen. So I think you, you, whoever's listening, you know who those people are. They could be family. They could be friends. They could be a significant other, whoever it is that you know and trust. Like I would, as, as scary as it is, open up about that type of stuff. Um, and, and helping, I mean, in, in talking about it definitely helps. Um, and then the second thing is, is just, you know, try to try to through that those conversations and, and through conversations with yourself, try to understand maybe why that is, you know, maybe you're not doing something that you should be. Um, maybe you're, you're on a path that is, you know, has, you know, drugs and alcohol involved or stuff that's not good for you. Maybe you're just overworking yourself and maybe you need to realize that there's so many reasons that you might be feeling that way. And maybe try to just just un- uncover what that is. And then, you know, the third thing is, is just to stay positive, right? Like um, there's so much good that can come from um, understanding that, you know, today can be a great day. And as shitty as yesterday might've been, I don't know if I can say shit, but I just did twice. No, no, no you're good, um, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as shitty as yesterday could have been, like today can be better. And as shitty as today was, you know, and it's night and you're realizing it, like tomorrow can be better and tomorrow can always be better. And there's a laundry list of people that have gone through really, really tough adversity and come out on the other side and come out brilliantly on the other side. And so um, just know that it's, it's a blip in time that you're feeling this way. There's ways to overcome it. There's people that care about you. And, uh, you know, today can always be better than yesterday. Awesome, man. Good stuff. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, thanks again for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, uh, your, your podcast, um, uh, is probably what inspired me to, to start my own. Um, so I want to say, uh, I guess, thank you for that as well. That's awesome, man. I mean, that's part of the reason why, um, putting in all the hours is, is worthwhile. Like, you know, because if it helped to start that, that, that inch in you, then, you know, you get to, to spread whatever message you want and, and learn and you're on your own journey. So I'm happy to help. And, um, it's awesome what you're doing. You're inspiring me, uh, <laughs> by, by going and, and swimming upstream a little bit. 
um, with, with what you've decided to do. And I think it's awesome and, and inspiring. And, um, you know, I hope that you continue spreading, spreading your message uh, as far and wide as you can. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, where can people go if they want to find out more um, about what you're doing and about the Millennial Momentum? Yeah, yeah. So um, you can go to millennialmomentum.net um, and you can find a way to sign up to the newsletter. Uh, it's a daily positive newsletter that you can get. You can find me at uh, on social media at Tommy Tahoe. Uh, you, I won't do much interacting with you for the next uh, until April 1st for the next few weeks. But after right. that, I, I do love to love to talk with people hear what you uh, hear what you think about the podcast and the blog and everything. And, you know, otherwise, um, yeah, you can check me out and, and, uh, you know, definitely, uh, check out what, what we're doing with the newsletter and, and try to spread positivity in your own lives. Awesome. And, uh, you guys can also follow me on Instagram at chase Rosa four for updates on new episodes and on my endurance training journey. Uh, follow this man follow him <laughs> and like every post that he's put out in the last month right now <laughs> awesome and do the same for for tom uh, uh thanks everyone who's listening and uh we'll see you next time